भद्रम कर्णेसृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षजत्रा स्थिरंगुवागंसनु व्यशेम देवितयदायु स्वस्ती न इंद्रो वृद्धस्रवाह स्वस्ती न पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्तीर्णस्ताक्षरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ती नो बृहस्पतिर्दा शांत शांत शांति हरि ओम may we hear with our ears what is auspicious may we see with our eyes what is auspicious while praying with steady limbs may we attain the life span allotted to us may indra bestow well-being on us may pushan the god of the earth who is all knowing bestow well-being on us may garuda the destroyer of evil bestow well-being on us may brihaspati also bestow well-being on us om शांति 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 सो इन द लास्ट क्लास वेल वी आर स्टडिंग द थर्ड एंड द फोर्थ मंत्र ऑफ द सेकंड चैप्टर ऑफ द सेकंड पार्ट ऑफ मुंडकोपनिषद वी फाउंड दैट द नेचर ऑफ द अल्टीमेट रियलिटी वाज बीइंग डिस्क्राइब्ड इन दोस मंत्रस now as sri ramakrishna used to say that tablar bol mukhe bola sahaj hate ana kothin to speak about the rhythm of the percussion that you know the drum or percussion tabla it's very easy you can even someone asks you to recite you can memorize and recite just very easily but if it has to be brought in your hands if you have to really play it it takes months together so it's not that easy so what sri ramakrishna indicated that to speak of the highest reality to speak of the state of spiritual illumination that's quite easy but to bring it to the realization to achieve the spiritual evolution that for that we need to have to practice so that's why the teacher will now exhort the disciples to give up all when actions and concentrate on brahman and brahman alone so that's what the fifth mantra will speak of so let's read the fifth mantra and then we will go to the discussion यस्व पृथ्वी च अंतरिक्ष मन सह प्राणय चर्वैतमेकानथ आत्मावाच विमुंचथ अमृत सेतु यस्ट इज दिस इन हिम दृथ्वी च अंतरिक्ष मीन्स पर्वेडेड in him they are woven like just the way in the cloth the thread is 
the weaves the entire cloth, the thread permeates the entire cloth. Similarly, the earth, the heaven, and the space in between, everything is being covered by him and him alone. Means the entire creation is pervaded by the consciousness, by Brahman and Brahman alone. So that's what is being indicated by the first phrase, Yasmin Dyo, Dyo means the heaven, Prithivi, the earth, Cha Antariksham, and the space between the two. So all the heavenly bodies, the earth, the space, the interspace, Otam is pervaded, is as if woven by Brahman and Brahman alone. So that's the external world. And not only that, even within Mana Sapranai Chasarvai, the mind, the prana, and by Sarva means all the sense organs, that too is pervaded by Him and Him alone. Tameva Ekam Janatha Atmanam. The one who is that non-dual reality, when he finds expression, when he is being reflected through the body-mind complex as the core of our being, that's the Atma. They're same, identical. So know that the same non-dual reality who is the core of your existence. So that alone should be the aspiration of your life, the goal of your life. Know that non-dual Brahman alone and give up all other talks. This Anya Vacha Vimunchata. Don't distract yourself in all the so-called vagaries of the mind. Try to focus your mind on the thought of Atman and Atman alone. And that alone is a bridge to eternity. Amritasya Esha Setuhu. These are the profound mantras of the Upanishad. So here by Atmanam, what it is meant? That as the non-dual Brahman is the inmost self of all beings, the same sun, when it gets reflected in the waves of the ocean, each and every wave will be reflecting the sun. The one sun as reflection appears as many. So as reflection it is many, but actually it is one. And we as wave get identified with the reflection and think it to be the core of our being, but actually it is the same non-dual Atman. So that the reflection which you think as the core of your being, you have to know it in its real nature. So that's why it is called Atma, the thing which is within. The same non-dual reality which finds reflection through your body-mind complex is the Atma. To know that is the goal of life. And the same Atma, just to say, just to uh, clear the doubt. So that here you will find that why Advaita Vedanta is totally dependent on the words of the Upanishads. All other philosophy, they do uh, take, this, uh, take their source, they take the Upanishad as their source. But you cannot explain the philosophy by just resorting to that, to the Upanishads, to the Vedas. Because the next line will say that in yoga, in uh, Sankhya philosophy, they say that the Purusha are innumerable. There are many Purushas. But see, in this sloka, but in this mantra, what is mentioned? Tameva ekam janata atmanam. There is only one 
and that 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 is that one uh, conscious principle which is the core of your being is the same thing which is pervading the entire universe yasmin dev prithivi antariksham utam it's the same reality the one who is finding expression as consciousness as the core of your being is the same conscious principle which pervades the entire creation and that non dual reality to know that is the only goal of life so yasmin dev prithivi antariksham utam mana sapranaicha survey so it is the same non dual brahman to understand with the common sense what it is that the same conscious principle which is the core of our being when i am in deep sleep the mind is inactive when i wake up what happens the conscious principle gets associated with the mind to project itself as the universe the what's outside there i don't know what the mind is projecting being activated by the conscious principle is the universe all the anything anything of this universe having name and form from the stars from the galaxies to a single flower whatever i think see is everything is a projection of the mind and that mind is being activated by the conscious principle and it is the same conscious principle in you and in me and in everyone which is projecting this universe to give us a sense of this consensus reality consensus reality means that what is being projected is not ultimately true because if our senses and our mind was constituted differently the same universe would have appeared totally different as in one place in the complete work swami vivekananda indicates that if we had the capacity to see ultraviolet light the world will be more powerful more colorful if i had the power to sense magnetism the world will open up a another dimension so that way it is our senses it is our mind which determines what the external universe is even as per the various creatures are concerned you will find that it is not the same world for all but for the human beings we all have that consensus sense of consensus reality but it is not the same consensus reality for other animals just say the owl it's an any nocturnal animal it can see the infrared light at night when i am seeing it's saying it's dark actually it's not dark the refracted rays of the sun do pervade even on the darker hemisphere it's there it's not that it is totally dark the nocturnal animals can see as they have the cap their eyes are constituted to see infrared light if you go to the zoo you will find that where the nocturnal animals are kept it's dark and within the aquarium within the glass cages where the animals are there there you will find dim red light because that's the only frequency of light which matches with us if it is totally dark if it is fully lighted they won't come out because for them it is dark the red is a light which gives them a sense of illumination they come out and that's how you can also see what it speaks of for them the world is totally different at night when i see it's dark for them it is quite lighted there are animals whose ears can hear higher frequencies of sound like the pigeons 
So for them, the world can be more noisy. You know that the dogs have an intense sense of smell. So that way the world becomes totally different. The world of the dog, the dog's eyes doesn't see color. For him, the entire world is black and white. So the world is totally different. He has no sense of color. So what we say that the world which we are seeing is the projection of the senses. The conscious principle through the mind is projecting this universe. This universe as a human being, it's a consensus reality for us. It may not be the same reality for other beings. So what this universe I'm seeing is not actually the absolute reality. What is there outside is unknown and unknowable. It is what I'm seeing is the projection of the Atman, of the Brahman, of that one non-dual conscious principle coming in association with the mind is projecting this reality. So what I see is nothing but conscious principle which is being projected through the mind and senses. So that's why we can say the same conscious principle which is the core of my being is pervading the entire cosmos. And how can I say that the one conscious principle which is within me is also within you? Because that's the same thing, because we all are projecting the universe in a way which speaks of consensus reality, that we can all relate to it. Otherwise, the total, the reality would have been, for for us to relate to each other would have been impossible. It would have been just a chaotic universe. So we all are relating to that. In the same way, means we are all as if a part of the cosmic mind and that enables us to have the sense of that that, uh, consensus reality. So what's the idea? The Atman, who is the core of my being, that's being projected through my mind and senses to give this sense of this entire world. So there's a conscious principle which is pervading the entire creation. Without that, the creation doesn't exist. There's a wonderful conversation with Rabindranath Tagore and Einstein. Very interesting. That Einstein for, knew that in the Vedanta, this, the idea of the reality is something different. That unless someone is witnessing, nothing as such can be real. That in our scriptures, they say that Brahma is what did they say? This animation. Animation means the winking of the eyes. That if he winks his eyes, the creation collapses. He's constantly looking at it. Even in the modern uh, quantum physics, they say that unless someone is witnessing, it's all probability. Probability collapses into reality only when there is someone to witness it. This special, there's a famous, uh, this double slit experiment speaks of that. We won't go to the details. What we are saying that, that unless the consciousness is taken as the fundamental, the creation cannot be explained at all. So Einstein knew that. And when conversing with Ravina Tagore, he pointed to a statue and asked that if you are not here, I am not here, no one is here, doesn't the statue exist? And Ravindranath firmly asserted, no, the statue doesn't exist. It may puzzle us that how come that if we are not here, the statue is still there. The interesting thing is that the statue, the way I am seeing it as a statue, unless 
through my mind and senses, it is being projected as the statue. It is not a statue at all. What it is, we don't know. So we all see it as a statue and then only it gets the reality of a statue. Otherwise, what it is, we can never, we can ever, never know it. So that's the idea which we find is being indicated in Vedanta. And that's the thing which really, which really interested the Western scientists because as and uh, when with the development of the quantum physics, the idea of the witness, someone witnessing, became something as a fundamental uh, principle. So that's the thing which started to be, dis which was discussed in the science, which has started to be discussed in the science. There are a lot of opinions about it. Some will be denying it. They say, no, it's somehow that we are yet to discover the exact phenomenon, how the reality is being perceived. We can never say that someone is witnessing. There are various opinions. But this Vedanta's concept is something which is revealing more and more as the science is developing. So that's the idea which is being indicated, the Tameva Ekam Janata. What is that? The self alone, when it's being projected through the mind, is projected as the universe, and we take it to be as real, and that creates our distraction. And that creates our, the vagaries of the mind. That creates our at attachment. It is just the attachment to the world of virtual reality. Just like the way the current passing through the integrated circuit of the computer creates the world of virtual reality. So what you see in the screen is the world of virtual reality. Similarly, the Atman passing through, coming in association with the mind is creating this world of virtual reality, which we take it as real, get identified with it, and it causes all the dualities and suffering. The joy, the sorrow, the pain, the pleasure, all these dualities come into existence because of our identification with that. If we can withdraw our mind and just get established in the core of our being, knowing it for certain that is in the eternal present without any change, without any transformation as the conscious principle, which is existing eternally. It is it alone is the Trikal Avadita Satya. In Vedanta, truth has been spoken of as has been defined as that whose existence is never interrupted by past, present, and future. It was, it is, it will be. And there is no transformation. It is in the eternal present. That's why the ultimate reality is called the Purana Purusha. Why it is Purana? Purana means Pura Api Navaiva. Ever aging, never old. Just in the eternal present. So we all should know the core of our being is that and try to realize that if we have to go beyond, have to transcend the dualities of life and to be established in that eternal peace, then we have to dive within. So that's why Anya Vacha Vimunchata. So when you know that the Atman is the core of our being, it is our uh, in the eternal present, it is something which can never be annihilated. Knowing that one should strive for its realization, giving up everything related to the aparavidya with which we started 
this Upanishad, that there are two vidyas, para-vidya, apara-vidya. Apara, the lower knowledge, which the knowledge which takes the world of consensus, reality as real, and then go to the details of it. Just, just the way what we can speak of the modern science that you see a snake in a rope, which is not there at all. And now what is modern science? To find the nature of that snake, how long the snake is, uh, how, what are the, what is it, what is its color, uh, that what type of snake it is, all those things, these details, it's all after the projection. But because of the mind and the senses, the world has been projected, which ultimately is not real and which we take it as real. And then we go to the study of it. So that's why we are going to the details of something, which is a mere projection, which is, has a, which is true for the time being. That's why Shankaracharya spoke of two types of truth, Vyavaharika Satya and the Atyantika Satya, the ultimate reality. So this has a Vyavaharika Satata. Means what's the Vyavaharika Satya like? Just the way the map can help us. That when I go out in the city to find out the network of roads, I come back and what I do for my own convenience, I draw a map. And suppose there is a freeway where there are many roads merging to it and there are many exits. All the roads which are merging to the freeway, we draw suppose in green color and the roads which are exiting in red color and the freeway in blue color. Does the blue color, green color, red color road exist? If you go out, it's not there. But for our convenience, we gave that color. So the mind and senses are doing that only. But the mind and senses are not there to show us the truth. It is just there to help us to work in our day-to-day life. Nowadays, in internet, you get many such videos uh, on uh, this illusion that how the mind and the senses is constantly deceiving us. Why it deceives us? Because its intention is not to show the truth. It cannot show the truth. It just intention is to enable us work in our day-to-day life. To give common example, you keep a stick on a just on the floor. It will, uh, and then the same stick, uh, stick, uh, same stick. You keep it up. You just uh, keep it upright. You will find when you keep it upright, it appears to be longer. The moment you keep it on the ground, it appears shorter. Any, any, you just take any pole, electric pole or something. When it is on the ground, it appears to be quite short. When you just place it upright. It appears to be long. What's the, it's not not showing the truth, but there's a utility behind it. That height can always be dangerous process for us. That if you are jumping from this particular height, it can be fatal. So the height, whenever I'm seeing the height, our senses are built in such a way, it will as if elongate it so that we are cautious. When it is on the ground, it is horizontal. There is no such uh, danger. So it appears to be quite short. And when I'm keeping it upright, so you see the necessity is creating the illusion. So the entire world, it, this is just a common example, but you will find there are so many innumerable examples by which we can find that the mind is being constantly deluding us 
because his intention is not to show us the reality. His intention is just to enable us to work in this world as long as we're in this delusion. So it has a vyavaharik satata, but it has no ultimate, it is not having an ultimate reality. So why to spend our life in that in something which has no ultimate reality? So try to withdraw yourself and try to get established in your real self, which alone is the real, uh, truth. And when when you get established in it, then you transcend all the suffering. That's the utility. That even a fool does nothing unless there is an utility behind it. But you may ask by knowing Atman, what is the utility? The utility is we can transcend the so-called all the dualities in this life. And that way we can transcend the suffering. So, and this alone is the bridge to eternity. Amritasya Esha Setuhu. By knowing the Atman, you reach the eternity. So this knowledge is the Setu. So here one thing has to be pointed out. And it is not that in bridge what happens, that I, that bridge is the connection between uh, two banks of a river. The other bank is something which is uh, at present not achievable. I have not attained it. I have to cross the bridge to attain it. But that way, self, this eternity cannot be attained. In this life, whatever you attain, it will again, you will lose it. Anything which is praptabhya, we just attain it. It has to, you have to lose it. You can never lose only the thing which is yours through eternity. Your, which you are. You can, you, if you have a watch, you can lose it. But you cannot lose yourself. Just like the common example we can give that when you will find from a country because of some uh, civil war, many have to leave the country. They're refugees. Now when they're leaving the country, what they do? They will try to have just, uh, carry as their, as their baggage all the things which they feel as necessary. It's a common thing you will find. On the way, they get exhausted. They find that the baggage is quite heavy. Now, in the road itself, they will again open the bag. And from that, all those things, what is unnecessary, they will throw out. That it's so difficult to carry. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. So let us leave out these things. (coughs) And then again, whatever they think essential with that, again, they start their journey. After some time, even that, they feel quite heavy. Again, all the things this which they think are essential, they leave out. Again, they drag themselves. At last, when they cross the border and where the refugee camps are there for them, you find at last they have arrived there only with their, means only everything has been left out. Only they have arrived. Nothing they brought. So what at last came to the camp the thing which you cannot simply relinquish. The other things can you can relinquish. So whatever you acquire that can be relinquished, but you cannot relinquish yourself. So here, even the body-mind is relinquished at death. The thing which cannot be relinquished is the self. It is always with us. So how can I say that this is a bridge to eternity? The word bridge is used allegorically. 
it speaks actually that it is already with us. We are somehow forgetful about it because of the ignorance. So it cannot be achieved. It is already ours. That's in Sanskrit, they speak of chamikar nyay. Chamikar means you have a lady has a necklace in her around her neck. And suddenly she feels she has lost and she is searching frantically, whereas my necklace has gone. And someone points out that it is already hanging in, around your neck. She was somehow forgetful about it. She somehow couldn't realize as she cannot see what is hanging in her neck. She thought she has lost. And when someone pointed out, then she thought, oh, see, it was with me only. I forgot. As Sri Ramakrishna gives a very funny example that a man who has the habit of smoking, hubble bubble, said that at dead night, he feels the urge to smoke. So what he does with a lantern in his hand, with a lamp in his hand, he goes in the dark night to the neighbor's house and knocks the door. And when the neighbor opens us for what you came, they told you, no, that I have the habit of smoking. So I have this tremendous urge to smoke. Can you give me something to light my hubble bubble? And this man says, wow. What a wonderful person you are. You are carrying a lantern. And with that, you came to my house and you are searching for fire. So that's what the thing which is with us, we are somehow forgetful about it. So we have we cannot achieve it. So in Sanskrit, these are two words, prapti and apti. So as for the self is concerned, that is apti. Means it is to attain something which is already yours. Prapti means to attain something which is not yours. That I will lose again. But apti is to attain something which is already mine. Somehow I was forgetful about it. So when they say Amrita Shetu, it actually means you are, we, because of ignorance, are forgetful about the real nature. The self has, has been projected as the universe and we see that as the reality. To again dive, uh, dive deep within the core of our being and to get identified with, with ourselves to find it out is the be all and end all of our spiritual journey. So that's what has been indicated in the fifth mantra. And the sixth mantra, we find that the preceptor is blessing the student. When he finds that the student is sincere, he really has that tremendous urge for realization. He is blessing him and that, that blessing of the guru to his qualified student is being indicated in the next mantra, the sixth mantra. So let us read that, uh, read the mantra and then we go to the discussion. Ara iva rathanabhav sanghata yatra nadyaha sa esha antaha charate vahudha jayamanaha Om iti evam dhyayat atmanam swastiva paraya tamasa parastat. So what it is saying? Ara this eva rathanabho sanghatha yatranadya sa esha anta charate vahudha jayaman. So the self as if has become manifold, vahudha. And he is moving Becoming manifold, he's as if moving within the heart. Sa Esha Antaha, in the within the heart, Anta means within the heart, Charate is moving around, becoming many. 
and that's that why how we understand it is he is speaking of the heart because yatra nadya sanghata means where all the arteries meet so it speaks of the heart so in upanishad whenever the uh, we find they speak of the mind as such they are speaking of the heart so it is the heart where the self is located from where this bahudha jayamana what is bahudha jayamana speaks of it speaks of the various feelings which we have joy sorrow anger hatred all these various feelings is as if traveling in our heart so the self is as a is, is something which is in the core of our heart and is moving about in this as as is manifold feelings so it is all these various feelings are like spokes fastened to the nave of the ch- chariot ara eva rathanabhav sanghata yatra nadya meditate on the atman as om iti om iti eva dhyayata atmanam let there be no hindrance for you that's a blessing let there be no swastiva let there be no hindrance for you may you cross beyond this ocean of darkness this paraya tamasa parasta so what this uh, sloka is very significant that we used to we think that is is a brain it is a brain which <clears throat> is the uh, what you say the center of all our thoughts as well as our feelings so that uh the individual self is reflected in the heart the upanishad is saying and then the individual self identifies with all our feelings like pleasure pain uh, pain uh, anger uh, love and all other feelings it gets identified so the one who says i am happy i am angry and so on so depending upon the particular state of mind we just say so many things sometimes i am happy sometimes i am angry i am depressed but actually it is because of the identification of all those states of mind and the self is something separate from it that i understand but how can it be the heart very interesting that very recent discoveries show that our heart is really the center of feelings it's the mind is the center of the thoughts all the thoughts and all the things which we after the feeling and thoughts has activated the mind then we react that reaction that's the motor nerves that that also the direction come from the mind but the center of the feelings is the heart now it has been found out that the like the brain the heart has innumerable independent neurons it can be spoken of as a little a mini brain not only that heart is also an endocrine gland it manufactures and secretes many hormones and the neurotransmitters very interesting that that's why you will find that a man who has got ter- terribly angry can have a heart attack if it was already only the mind how the heart gets affected it is the heart which do has to play role with our emotions actually the heart and the brain are like are playing a duet you know that the yugal bandhi so this 
the mind alone is not the one who is playing the role. The heart and the mind together is controlling the feelings. It is the feelings which actually determines the, the secretion of the neurotransmitters and the hormones. To just give a common example that the signals from the heart are actually sent to the emotional centers in the brain and then the brain interprets them. But it goes from the heart, the signals from the heart and once the brain has identified what kind of feeling, then the reaction comes in the body. Like if I'm angry, then some hormones like the epinephrine, they call, that is for the fight and flight response. So that is secreted. So the heart's, the, when the heart's rhythmic pattern is irregular, when, because of anger, it is erratic. Then it, there's a different type of hormone will be secreted. It is epinephrine is secreted and that goes to the brain and you will having the fight and flight response. Your muscles will be, you will be fletching your muscles, your sweat, you will be sweating, you will be breathing faster, and the breathing will be shallow. So just see, it is actually the heart which first sends the signal. And when you're experiencing joy, when the heart rate is rhythmic, then the dopamine or the serotonin, those hormones are secreted. And then you will have a sense of clarity. You will have uh, what you say, this heightened understanding, heightened self-confidence, all positive response comes from that. So the center of feelings is really the heart. The heart is the center of feeling. And that's what is being indicated in the Upanishad. So there, all the emotions actually emanate from there. Though at last it is interpreted by the brain, but it's the center from where it emanates is the heart. So the Upanishad says that, that's why it says that the heart is the center of all the feelings and emotions. And the self is as if moving along with the feelings and emotions, being identified with them. That's why when I get angry, this anger is a part of our, this feeling and emotion. It is not me. But I say, I am angry. As I get identified with it, I can, if I can say separate from it, then I will never say that. I will just say, as, in, as has been indicated in Bhagavad Gita, guna guneshu vartanta. That something in the external world has activated a particular type of response within me, but I am not one with it. I am separate from it. But as we get identified with what we say, I am angry. I am happy. I am depressed. So I get identified with that. So that's why here it is being said that go on constantly uh, contemplate on Om, which is the Vachaka of Brahman to disidentify yourself from all those identifications. To give a common example, how Omkara Japa, um, why Om Japa helps? There's, though it is a word for Brahman, but Always the word has a meaning, as has been spoken of in the Yoga Sutras. Tat japa, tat artha bhavana. It is not mechanical japa. When I am chanting Om, it, that Om is a decoded message, which I, the moment I pronounce it, it, it is an encoded message. I should have to decode it. What's the decode, decoded thing? That in reality, I am the self. I am in no way attached to this body-mind complex. I'm separate from it. This has to be constantly contemplated.
it is the way it is the only thing which ultimately will take us to the liberation you may say how so this is the only practice how that because of ignorance because of agyana what has happened the conscious principle has got associated with the body mind complex from that the asmita the ego has evolved from agyana the asmita has came and from asmita all the other emotions evolve all the, the the basis of all the emotions is raga dvesha abhinivesha raga is attachment dvesha abhinivesha is fight and flight response the self which is constantly echoing that i am eternal because of ignorance i try to equate that eternity with the body mind complex because i have taken that to be real but that is that is never going to be eternal so my endeavor my endeavor is to realize that eternity in something which is a flow and for that anything which nurtures my body which is favorable for my psychophysical existence i am attached to those things which is not favorable i am either i hate them or if it is too strong i run away from that so that speaks of the fight and flight response dvesha and abhinivesha so and this these <clears throat> raga dvesha abhinivesha has actually created innumerable mental modules that it is not one mind there are innumerable ment- mental modules as per the stimuli response conditions we have developed but all these mental modules are all hinged to that ego which is the product of ignorance the ego that i am this psychophysical existence to that all those mental modules are hinged and that's our psychophysical identity now i am developing a new mental module through meditation what aham brahmasmi and in short i am just chanting om with the with the chanting of the om the idea comes that i am that conscious principle which is in no way attached to the body mind complex so i am creating a mental module which is negating all other modules in a way i can say that i am creating a mental module which is hammering the ego itself the ego is being hammered again and again so what will happen if i go on hammering the hub of a will the if <clears throat> the spikes if you break one spike that one mental module i got read off i have a, a inordinate attachment to certain thing so by by will power that suppose i have tremendous attachment for smoking i by will power i can uh, somehow get read off it but the mind has innumerable other mental modules i cannot get rid of them one by one there are so many so how to get rid of them this this spiritual practice is what it instead of trying to get up rid of the spikes it is just attacking the hub itself the sense that i am this limited individuality and once it can get rid of that hub so all the mental modules collapses of once for all so that's the basic practice that i am creating a mental module which act is acting as a scarecrow for all other mental modules but it is something which is opposite that all the mental modules are associated with the idea that i am this limited body mind complex you are creating a scarecrow which is saying 
that no, I'm not the body-mind complex. So it all has to fall off at last. It doesn't allow just the way all the mental modules are like the birds. Every day you feed the birds. So they come to you. So now you decide not to feed them, but still they will come because they are now habituated. They have developed expectation. So what do you do? That you keep a scarecrow, seeing which the birds will be terrified. They won't come. And that's how you can get rid of all the mental modules. And at last, when they stop coming, you don't need the scarecrow also. That also has to be forsaken. So we develop this the, through contemplation, a particular mental module. At last, we get rid of that also, because that also is a mental module after all. That also is, it is the mind which is saying, I am not the mind, I am not the body, I am not the senses. It has to be forsaken at last. That's what Shankaracharya very nicely says, that it is just like purifying the water with camphor. When you, in the olden days, for uh, purifying the impure water, the turgid water, they used to keep some camphor in it. The, with the camphor, the water gets purified and at last you don't see the camphor itself. It also has dissolved. So the camphor is like that, this dhyana chitta, the meditative mind, which gets rid of all the vagaries. And at last, it itself also has to, uh, has to fall off so that you get established in yourself. So that's the thing which is being indicated here, that Om, that with the chanting of the Om, you constantly, that Om iti evam dhyayat atmanam, Constantly go on thinking of yourself. Tat japa, tat artha bhavaram. It's not the mechanical chanting of the Om. With the, that when you are chanting, you should have to think of its meaning. That Om signifies that reality which is not associated with the body-mind complex, which is the eternal non-dual principle behind the entire creation. So that alone can help us to gradually get rid of all the vagaries. And as the, the student is already qualified, he has approached the spiritual teacher to know that ultimate truth with a real urge, with a real aspiration. So that's why the guru, knowing very well that he is the one who is qualified for the spiritual journey, is now blessing him. Swasti Paraya Tamasa Parastat. Resort to this practice. So when we are really prepared, this small instruction alone is sufficient. Just go on thinking of yourself by holding on to Om. And that alone can take you beyond all the ignorance, tamasa, parastha, beyond all the sea of darkness. The ignorance will fall off. You will attain illumination just by contemplating on your real nature. So that's the idea that Om is the reality which is. <clears throat> the, the core of our being, which is the witness of all the three states of our existence. That's how in Mandukya Upanishad, it has been described that after all, what's our, ex what's our existence? Our existence can be just summed up as the three states of our being, the Jagrata, Swapna, Shushupti. Behind that, we know nothing. Either we are in deep sleep or we are dreaming or when we are awake, this world pops up. So Om represents the Turiya avastha, which is which is which transcends, which when, when you are awake, it is still there. When you are in dream state, it is there as your reality. 
When you're sleeping, it is there. And when all the three are not there, still it alone is there. That's the state of Turiya. Turiya doesn't mean apart from these three. It permeates these three as well as it is apart from it. It means it is transcendent as well as immanent. So that's the reality which transcends all your so-called limited sense of existence. Go on contemplating on it. That will take you to that ultimate realization. So here we find that the blessing comes to the blessing is dawns on the disciple when he has developed that real urge as we have already studied in the 12th mantra of the second chapter of the first part of the same Upanishad, Mundaka Upanishad. So just for recapitulation, what is that mantra? Pariksha Lokan Karma Chitan Brahmano Nirvedam Ayatana Asti Akrita Kritena Tat Vigyanartham Sagurum Eva Abhigachet Samitpani Srotriyam Brahmanishtam. So this blessing is meant for him. Sometimes we say that somehow if I can manage to get the blessing of the Guru, everything is done once. But know it for certain, unless we have developed that qualification, we can never really receive that blessing. Guru blesses the one who is ready to receive that blessing. So who is the one who is ready to receive the blessing? Pariksha Lokan. After having examined all the different planes of existence, which are attainable through karma, karma chitan, brahmano. Now he has become nirvedam. He has developed uh, a detachment from all of them after examining them. Pariksha means to examine. Why? Because we have understood. Na asti akrita kritena. The thing which is beyond all actions, you can never attain by action. The self is akrita. The words are so significant. Akrita kritena. So the thing uh, <clears throat> that eternity, eternity can never be produced by, uh, you can never produce something which is not eternal. Eternity cannot be produced <clears throat> by something which is not eternal. So all our actions, <clears throat> however good actions I may do, it is limited. It cannot uh, result in unlimited result. However sinful actions I may do, it is limited. It cannot result in unlimited result. So the concept of eternal heaven and eternal hell is not there in Vedanta. So that's what is meant by Akrita Kritena. That has an end. Even the in Vedanta, we feel we have the idea of heaven, but that heaven is not eternal. We do enjoy the results of our good deeds for quite long, for aeons together. But Kshine Punya, Marthya Lokam again we have to come back. That cannot give us that eternity. The one who have realized that, he develops that renunciation. So no more trying to attain something through action. Because all karma comes from avidya. That is the chakra of avidya, karma, karma. From ignorance comes the desire, avidya, karma, from karma, karma. So he have understood that, but I can attain nothing through that karma. So I, because it is karma is the product of avidya. So he realizing that, so what he does, Tatvigyanartham, to get established in that reality, to know, there's, there's a difference between Jnana and Vigyana. Jnana is conceptual knowledge. Just to know something by reading books, just to have a concept of it is Jnana. And Vigyana is something which speaks just in science as you have to go to the laboratory, experiment, and just realize it through that experiment. 
it's no more your belief you know through the by, by, uh, as a result of the experiment that the thing which has been spoken of in the book is true that's why it is science so here also it is called vigyana that it's not that the guru has told that there is something within you which is the eternal and you have a belief in it just a belief so here in vedanta there is no place of belief it is there at the beginning out of shraddha first i have to believe but it has to go to the state of vigyana realization so to reach that state of realization he goes to the guru guru evam abhigachet samit pani srotriyam brahmanishtam so with a sense of serving the guru with total humility it's not that i pay you 1000 dollars and you give me nirvikalpa samadhi and it's nothing like that you cannot get uh, the highest spiritual realization in the mercenary in the way the way we get all the things of the world by paying money so it's not that with the sense of serving samit pani actually indicates that that he whatever uh, basic needs the guru needs i am there ready to serve him with all my humility and he should be srotriyam brahmanishtam srotriyam means what that should listen to the scriptures meditate on it contemplate on it and have the intellectual conviction about the truth and then meditate on that intellectual conviction so that it can take him to the realization so such is a disciple when he when he approaches the guru guru is bound to say him swasti we blessed you are know it for certain this is the process which you uh, <clears throat> what you say that's adopt in your life internalize in your life it will take you to the realization otherwise many people sometimes don't realize that what the spiritual teaching is that guru is giving just one small mantra and uh, that i have to chant throughout my life is that's the only role of the guru that why uh, we have such doubt because we don't know that what what's the basic idea behind that mantra it is something which by constantly cogitating it has it has to get it has to be assimilated it has to, just the way the food which you eat it the it gets assimilated and gets converted into your annamaya kosha your body pranamaya kosha your energy it is a food similarly this idea has to get convert has to be assimilated internalized it should throb through your entire body mind senses and then only it can take you to that realization and the one who is ready for that to him the guru's blessing is always there so brahman should be contemplated in the lotus of the heart so first they mentioned that the resort to the contemplation of om and that om is not a mere word it has a significance behind it while chanting just be aware of the significance of the chanting of the om and now it is speaking where to meditate what to meditate upon has been spoken of in the previous mantra meditate on om meditate on brahma and where meditate him on the lotus of the heart so in the upanishad wherever you find they are speaking of meditation these are the two basic things meditate on omkara is omkara is something still we follow it whatever tradition we may be uh, following we may be initiated in whatever tradition you will find that in most of the process of a, 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 this initiation the guru gives a mantra it may be the ishta mantra of so many other chosen deity there are so many the chosen deity can be 
many but generally all the mantras are associated with omkar means when you are chanting the name of rama first it will come om then that whatever it is ramayana or whatever it is things om vasudevaya when it is speaking of krishna om namo bhagavate vasudevaya the omkara is there even if you are chanting gayatri it starts with omkara what is the idea that this om is the ultimate that the name which i am chanting is not just a historical person like us he was born in certain point of time has and then he died at certain point of time he's that person in essence is that own so i am uh, taking that that my ishta not as a person of flesh and bone that's why you will find in all the traditions the meditation in meditation you know meditation that whomever you are meditating upon that omkara is the thing which is being meditated upon and they say don't think him a person of flesh and bone whatever may be your ishta that he has illumined your heart he is full of illumination so that speaks of uh, the negation of the idea that he is like us just a person of flesh and bone he is the consciousness taking the form it is the chinmaya rupa it is the consciousness which has taken that form i like that form i like that personality that my consciousness has taken that form and i am meditating meditating on it as that ultimate reality then only it can negate all other mental modules so why it is the heart is been chosen because heart is the center of feelings so if i have to negate all the feelings i know are so strong the feelings are so strong where mind even fails when i have am uh, what you say that uh, someone is in uh, has developed a tremendous love for someone but the society is not accepting that we know sometimes that situation happens and then we find what a tremendous struggle is there between the brain and the heart the mind says let me try to follow the norms of the society but the heart doesn't follow so the feelings are tremendously strong so if this cons this your contemplation of brahman is just something like your a mental resolution it can never really negate the other feelings it is tremendously powerful so that's why the lotus of the heart this this idea has to get converted into a feeling it has to develop emotion for it how to develop this emotion i cannot forcefully develop an emotion so that's the, that's why they say go on contemplating on it that all the emotions develop how that the things which we go on doing again and again repeatedly out of necessity after some time it creates a path in the mind and once the path is created i forget the necessity just to do it becomes my obsession that's how all the feelings have developed follow the same way here also that that the necessity is to achieve that ultimate uh, this purpose of life to achieve liberation for that i am repeating this this will create a path in my mind and this will get converted into a feeling and that's the center of the feeling is the heart so contemplate on brahman thinking he is seated in the lotus of the heart so that's why sri ramakrishna is to say <clears throat> that god is everywhere but and that why should i think of him as if in the he seated in my heart is everywhere so he is to say very very nice way very poetic way sri ramakrishna is to say that in your own house 
you have access to each and every place. You can go anywhere. But when your guest comes, what do you do? You go and meet him in your living room. So you won't be taking him to the kitchen or the other places or your bedroom or something. You have a separate space for that. You will be meeting him in that living space. So Sri Ramakrishna used to say that the heart of a devotee is the God's living place. He is providing everywhere. Meditate on him because there he meets the devotee. How nicely Sri Ramakrishna, in the poetic way, he says the same thing. And that's the idea. After speaking of Brahman as the ultimate reality, which has to, who has to be meditated as Om. And where to meditate? On the heart. So this, this on there's the idea of meditating uh, of the ultimate reality on the heart will be spoken of in the seventh mantra. The mantra which we will again take up in the next class. The seventh mantra of the second chapter of the second part of Mandaka Upanishad. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.